Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as a foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. Hey, thanks for joining us here on this week's broadcast of Shouts of Grace. I'm your host, Steve Pearson, pastor at Redemption Hill Church, and we are so blessed that you decided to spend a small portion of your day with us. If this is your first time listening, we want to welcome you uh, to Shouts of Grace and let you know that we appreciate you tuning in. And if you are a regular listener, welcome back. Uh, Before we jump into today's program, um, I just want to say, you know, how amazing it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You know, I've I've lived on both sides of those tracks, um, not knowing God and knowing God. And, and I got to tell you, I choose this side 100 percent of the time. Uh, the grace of God and living in the grace of God um, is just something that that is unbelievably peaceful. And so uh, we want to start this broadcast by appealing to those of you that might be tuning in for the first time or a return listener and you've never accepted Christ. Would you consider um, the grace that God offers you and the peace that you can have with God um, once you once you you do business with his son. And so um, on today's broadcast of Shouts of Grace, I got a friend on the phone, uh, Pastor Stephen from Oak Hill Church in Georgia. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, man, it's I'll tell you, Utah's cold right now and, and we've got some snow. So I'm just kind of like, oh, man, when is the spring going to come? But Georgia isn't like that, is it? <laughs> no, it's uh, 41 right now. Oh, my but it word. feels it feels like it's freezing to us. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, now la- last year I had the privilege of coming down and meeting you guys and, 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 and Oak Hill partners with Redemption Hill and, and the work we're doing here in Utah. And I was able to come down for your scent weekend and I was blown away. I'll tell you one of the things that blew me away right out of the gate was that you guys had somebody reading scripture 24 hours a day. I don't know if it was all week or a few days. Talk about that because I've never seen that. And I was blessed by that. Yeah, so leading into our Scent Weekend, which is the weekend that we have kind of our missions emphasis, uh, we start that Wednesday morning and ask our people to come in and read in 30-minute increments. And so like this morning, I read uh, um, from, what was it, Jeremiah 4. Uh, from at 5.30 to 6 o'clock, and then uh, a lady came in and relieved me and took took the thing, um, took the word and, and began to read, and someone came and relieved her. And so we try, to, we try to read through the whole scripture leading up to actual weekend, just trying to bathe our minds, our hearts, and really our building just with the word of God. So, so when you say the whole scriptures, you're talking about all Old Testament and New Testament. We try. We don't always finish, but you know, some people read it at different speeds than others. Yeah. So on this on this idea of scent weekend, talk r- real briefly about what that really is, because I want to use that to kind of segue into into something we want to discuss this uh, uh, t- t- on today's broadcast. Yeah, I think the American church, more than any other place in the world, has really taken the gospel in a direction it shouldn't have gone. We have a very come and see model. Hmm. And when you look at the New Testament, 
Um, prior to the crucifixion, Jesus was very inviting. He was, come to me, come to me, come to me. But after the resurrection, he was about sending, go, 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 go into all the world, go to those people, go and preach the gospel, go make disciples, go and know that I'll be with you. And so the problem is in the American church, we're still coming when Jesus has clearly told us to go. And so we want to teach our people to live in a manner that's sent, that would lead uh, lend itself biblically to the the New Testament teachings of Jesus. Yeah, man, I I agree with you 100%. In fact, that it's it almost seems like when when you look at um you know the New Testament and even a, a, a lot of church history, there's almost been this paradigm shift where where somehow we think, hey, if people are going to get saved, let let's just get them to church because that's where the gospel's preached, right? And 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 man, it's almost like we forget um we're supposed to be living on mission every day. Hey, we're we carry the gospel. The congregants carry the gospel, not the not just the pastor. Right. It was the message of the reformers. Yeah. Quite honestly, and you know we still have in in some ways, even in Baptist, Christian, other church, other denominational churches, this concept where hey, I want to get my friends, this coworker, a neighbor who doesn't know God, I want to get them to meet our pastor, senator, our pastor, which. Is, is crazy because the Holy Spirit that's alive in you and I is the same Holy Spirit that's alive in every person who knows Christ that sits in our church pews every Sunday. Amen. Amen. Well, what what I want to do then is, is, is I want to share a scripture out of John um, chapter four, and, and I kind of want to segue into this and kind of unpack this a little bit because it kind of goes along with, with really the idea of, of the scent weekend that you guys are experiencing, but really the bigger message that's a part of what you guys are promoting this weekend at your church. Um, it says in John chapter four, Jesus says in verse 35, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Uh, brother, unpack this for us because there almost seems to be Jesus is almost, it seems to be kind of leading off saying, look, um, there isn't any more time. Don't say four months. I need you to look up and I want you to see what the mission is. Explain what he's trying to say here and how it pertains to us. Yeah, that's such a powerful passage. And just, you know, I would encourage anybody who's not used to reading the Bible to start in the book of John. It's just so rich. Mm. I think if you read this passage just by itself, then you you really, it's like staring at a beautiful work of art really close, almost with your nose on the picture and not stepping back and looking at the totality of it. Um, And just a few verses before this is one of the more famous and well-known stories from Scripture with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And what's interesting with that was that Jews and Samaritans had no uh, business talking with each other ethnically, uh, uh, you know, from a religious standpoint. And then it was a man and a woman. It was just them at this well. And Jesus reveals to her that he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is Yeshua Mashiach, the one that they have been waiting for, the Savior. And so she sees that. She leaves her water jar. She runs back and and begins to say, I have found the Savior, and the city comes back with them. And so if you just read that verse 35, it seems almost as as Jesus, who was known to be a carpenter, is now talking in agricultural-type metaphorical terms, and it is a metaphor. And what he's saying is, yes, there is a season of sowing and reaping. And while he may have been talking to farmers, 
they sow, they know that there's not going to be an instantaneous harvest, but Jesus just revealed himself to her. She's gone back and is now telling other people about Jesus and other people are coming to Jesus. And so really it's, it is a metaphor of saying, Hey, the people are all around you. You don't have to wait. You don't have to go and, and, and sit in a pew uh, primarily just to learn about Jesus, but to be a self-feeder and to simply tell the story of Jesus as you go, because the story of the gospel isn't intuitive. You know, God commands us to go and to share. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I think, I think too, is maybe you can talk about this. He says, um, you know, he, he says a couple things. If you, if you jump to verse 34, he says that his food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And, and, and that's really what we're talking about here, right? When we talk about the gospel and living on mission, it is the work of God, is it not? Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is that Jesus is hungry physically because he was fully God, fully man. And as fully man, he actually hungered for food, as did the disciples. And it's funny because when Jesus starts talking about food, him having food that they don't know about, the disciples probably think he's got a sandwich in a pocket or something he's not sharing with them. (laughs) But what he's saying is this is the mission. This is the most important reason. I mean, the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Everybody knows John 3.16, but John 3.17, he says that God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. And so just linking those two um, those two verses together that are not right next to each other, you see that the purpose of the father sending Jesus the son was to, to gather the harvest was that his food, the the mission, the most important thing, the whole reason that he was sent was to reconcile those who were far from him and enemies of him and to make them uh, friends. Yeah. And and you know what? Maybe, maybe talk, because he says something here that I think is powerful. And, And whether you're in Georgia, Atlanta, Texas, Utah, California, wherever, he says something interesting. He says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. I think sometimes we find ourselves in places where we're wondering, well, you know, God's going to move at some point. God's going to move one day. Well, God's kind of prepping the, but he's sitting here telling us, this is, this is emphatic. This is a command. This is, I want you to pay attention to what's around you because there's something, someone ripe already. And, and, and I think we miss this a lot, don't we? Absolutely. You know, there's, and, and, you know, Jesus in the IV, he says, open your eyes. And, and he says, lift up your eyes in the, in the King James and the ESV. And so, you know, really in that moment, probably the townspeople were coming from that Samaritan woman's invitation to see Jesus, hmm. to possibly encounter the Messiah. And so in a very real time space continuum, Jesus was probably not just talking about right then, but we also believe that he's talking about that right now for us. You know, one of the things we close our service with each Sunday is love God, love people, be the church. And the first Sunday we said that I had several people come up and say, oh, I love that. And I was like, yeah, because that's what Jesus tells us to do. I mean, it's, it's the great commission. It's the great commandment. 
and to go and be the church. And what does it look like? That God calls us more than just keeping the rules. It's not about morality. It's not about not smoking and not drinking and not engaging in things online that we shouldn't and just staying faithful to our wives. That our morality is shaped by our relationship with Jesus. That morality doesn't bring about a relationship with Jesus. And so as we go into the communities, God calls us to be his ambassadors. I hate to skip passages on you, Pastor Steve, but when you go to, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21, everybody knows 17. If, you know, any man be in Christ, his new creation, the old is gone, behold, all things become new. But 18 through 21 are just as inspired by God when he says that he's making, uh, he's, he's calling us his ambassadors, that that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that the world would be reconciled to himself. And so the, the white and the harvest, as we look around, as we drive around our communities, do we see people as either knowing Jesus or not? And wow. the things that break the heart of God should break followers of Jesus. It should break our hearts as well. Wow. Hey, don't go away. We'll continue this conversation in a moment. You're listening to Shouts of Grace with Pastor Steve, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill, you can visit our website at rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's conversation. Welcome back. I hope you are enjoying this conversation we're having with a a good friend of mine, Stephen Durvin, the pastor of Oak Hill Church in, where is it, Williamson, Georgia? Is that where it's at? It is. Yeah. And people don't know where that is, but if I'm, I'm not endorsing this show, but it's where The Walking Dead is filmed. <laughs> well, there you go. Now everybody, every listener in, in, in Utah County will understand exactly where you're at. Um, and if you go to our Walmart at just the right time, you can see some of those people. <laughs> nice. nice. Hey, well, we've been having a conversation just about the importance of, of really evangelism when we when we consider the bottom line and just how, um, how, how God has prepared a work for every person in before the break, um, you had brought up Second Corinthians chapter five, verses eighteen through twenty-one. You were talking about the ministry of reconciliation, and 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 I want to I want to unpack that a little bit more specifically in regard to to what seems to be this this inward focus in, in so much of the body of Christ today. Inward focus in the sense of we're we're building the four walls of the church and we're building the ministries and we're we're basically putting out the smorgasbord of 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 delicacies for all the people's appetites. And and it almost seems like and, I, and I'm not saying there isn't a place for that, but Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, it almost seems like the shift in church focus is about building the four walls of the individual kingdom rather than the greater kingdom which is God. And so for a lot of churches, that inward focus has has kind of taken over the outward focus. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that and 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 really why that is important for for a church to just be not only honorable to God but just sustainability. Because it just seems like I the more and more elbows I rub with uh, with, with people in the church and pastors in the church, it's always you know well how many people do you got coming and what's the number and you know what what do you got to offer and it almost feels like we're catering somewhat. To this, to this, um, you know, this new type of Christianity. What say ye on that? Yeah, you know, it really, it quite honestly, it feels like a dance at times. Mm. And um, 
I think pastors and people, all of us struggle with insecurities. I know I do. But I think one of the greatest insecurities, the way it rears its head for pastors is that we are so concerned with how many people. And if we're up, you know, 10 or 50 or however large your, your context is from the week before, we feel like we're doing something great. And then if we're down the next week, we feel like we've done something wrong. Uh, we tend to take things personally. And so th- there is this, this idea that, yes, we do want to serve the body that God's entrusted us with and that we want to shepherd these people well. And we will be held accountable, by the way, biblically for how we shepherd them. But at the same time, we can't, we can't feed into the consumerism that is just so prevalent in our culture today. And I think a lot of churches, a lot of churches do that. And so that's why it's so important that you would be, or any of us would be a part of a church that actually teaches God's word. Mm. It doesn't matter what I think about the Bible or even what I think it says. It only matters what it says. And, and God, quite honestly, Pastor Steve, he didn't save us for our opinion. He saved us that's for right. our obedience and for us to follow him and be saved ultimately from not knowing him for eternity. And so th- there is that, that give and take, you know, there, there, I, I feel that yeah. I, I certainly, I think, I think most people do feel that to some extent. And so I think that's why it's so important that, you know, we continue to walk with our people and continue to try to keep them on track. I had a, a church member years ago, tell me this. He said, even a mediocre shepherd touches each sheep once a year. Hmm. And he was talking about the shearing. He said, but good shepherds smell like their sheep. And mm. so pastors that walk on the platform from the right side and walk off from the left side, I'm not quite sure how they do it. I think they're leaders of leaders and they're, they're teachers. Right. But those of us that are shepherds that are actually trying to build the kingdom and get our people focused on the lost community, I mean, it's the call of the gospel. Amen. And you know, you, you actually hit on something. You know, I one, one of the things I like to do is is, is I do believe, and and, and you guys help um, support Redemption Hill here in Utah County. And and you know, we're in a place where um, you know there's there's seven hundred thousand people in our valley i believe it is now the latest and and less than le, le, less than one half of one percent is 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 evangelical it's definitely a huge wow. mission field and so one of the things that that i believe and i agree with you wholeheartedly is how do we build the kingdom of god because that's our call well i think there are two aspects number one there is the equip aspect right you and i cannot build god's kingdom to the to to the extent to which god's desire is if you and i are building it we, we have to equip. And so in that sense, I think, I think the four walls of the church are important, but we also have to send. And, and I think it's in the send aspect that a lot of people get nervous because what does that mean? You know? And so for us, I, I, I know, you know, we've, you guys are very much into supporting church plants and probably my, my guess is actually sending out people as they come to you as well. And, and, and I think we need to have mm-hmm. this conduit mentality rather than this bowl mentality, the bowl, we're going to hold all of our people and resources and build this kingdom here or we're a conduit. God, you send through who you want. You keep who you want for the work. And and I, I've, I've just seen a tremendous amount of success in churches that have that philosophy. We're about God's kingdom. And I think J.D. Greer, I read his book one time and it transformed my life and, and, and my philosophy in his um, Gaining by Losing book when he said, you know, we've asked a hundred pastors, um, what would they rather have? A thousand new members um, every year for 10 years or would you rather plant one church with that same mentality for one church every 10 years? And he said, the overwhelming majority chose the thousand members every year 
for mm-hmm. 10 years. He said, but if you just do the simple math, the kingdom that would be built by one church who planted churches, I think it was like a million and a half people. And then he asked this snagging question. He said, whose kingdom are you building? And it just right. wrecked me. I was like, oh Lord. And it changed everything. And so, um, you know, talk, talk briefly. We've got about, we've got about two and a half, three minutes left. Talk, talk briefly about your commitment in, in your church and not only support because we're recipients of that at Redemption Hill, but also building God's kingdom. What does that look like for you prioritizing um, um, that in, in, in your ministerial philosophy uh, for, for Oak Hill? Yeah, when I was eighth grade, I, I'd been a Christian just a few months, and a, a man that's probably gone to be with the Lord at this point, his name was Ron Bishop. And I remember him saying this. I wrote it in my first Bible. He said, everything I hold in my hands, I hold loosely. And he looked at not just his money and not just his possessions, but his ministry as well. And, you know, another thing that J.D. Greer said, I know you're familiar with, he said churches should be known for their sending capacity over their seating capacity. Yeah. And, and thinking through the idea of we want our people to go out and to be missional. You know, I long for the days when we are a couple of times a year um, commissioning missionaries, not just yeah. short term, but going, hey, we we love you. We're going to support you. We'll see you later and give them a one-way <laughs> ticket to somewhere in the world where Amen. they can leave a fat dent on the planet for God's glory. And, and, and I've told our church that. That is the expectation. There's there's a couple, matter of fact, they just got married last year. He's in his late 40s. She's in her early 50s. And both of them are towards the end of their career. And they, they are both saying, we feel like God is prepping us for um, missions. And as much as I love these people, my heart just does a little Irish jig in my chest at the thought of watching these people be obedient Mm. and stepping away from everything they've always known for the mission to live sent for the the building up of of his kingdom, not ours. Amen. Amen. You know, in the last um, two minutes here, you're, you're, you're talking to... Uh, Utah County, you're talking to the Uinta Basin, you're talking to Vernal and Price and, and, and a number of people that um, that frankly have a misconception um, about what the gospel is and, and what the mission is. I think a, a lot of times people think, well, a mission is something I just commit to for a year, a year and a half, and and, and in doing so, they feel like maybe they fulfilled an obligation. So in, the, in these last couple minutes, explain to us what the gospel is and why it is so important that this becomes the central focus of our life. Yeah. So if, if you know, I was told, if you're going to preach the gospel, preach the whole gospel. And the whole gospel is that, you know, in, in, in short, is that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and God raised him from the dead. And that he finds us as we are. Uh, and he, he loves us enough not to leave us that way. You know, uh, and I think a lot of people have this concept where they think their morality is going to save them or their church attendance is going to save them or their giving or their hospitality or, or these good works. But in God's economy, while that, that those things may get you far in our world, in God's economy, it's not that. It takes the humility of recognizing you're a sinner That's right. and that you're lost and you're far from him. And, and, and we can't have this idea where, well, I'll wait till I get better or I'm going to try harder. I'm going to clean up. That's like saying I'm injured and I'm going to wait till I stop bleeding to go to the ER. Amen. We, we come to God as we are. He knows how we are anyway, and he still calls us. Romans 5 eight says God demonstrates his love for us in this. 
while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. So you think about the most deplorable thing you've ever done. Maybe it was today. From the beginning of time, God knew that you and I would do those things, and he still willingly took our stripes. Amen. And, and that's the gospel. Amen. Amen. You know, we're almost out of time, um, Pastor Stephen. And man, I want to thank you for being on this. And, and personally, I just want to thank you for your support, your prayers, mm. man. We we feel like we truly have a family um, there yeah. in Williamson, Georgia, man. And you I'm do. Excited to, excited to see you guys again and bring my wife out and enjoy your guys' company. But man, it's been a blessing. I can't wait to have you back on the show. So thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to Shouts of Grace. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you have been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Shouts of Grace.